0: The city on the dark side of the moon. You're about to be let in on a huge secret, one that's been kept from all of us for thousands and thousands of years. If you've ever looked at the moon on a clear night when it's full and bright, you might have seen what looks like a face. The man in the moon has been gazing at the Earth for nearly five billion years, never turning his face away. In fact, that's the strange thing about the moon. Its orbit is locked into that of the Earth tied by the surging tides, fixed so tightly that we spin together in the darkness of space like dancers, never turning away from each other. Consequently, here on Earth, we never see the far side of the moon. It's hidden from us forever. Well, it's mostly been hidden, although the men who went to the moon all those years ago would orbit around the whole thing in their landing craft, and would have been able to get a first look at what lies beneath. And a rover sent by China has recently sent back pictures from its mission. But for you and I, we will never see it with our own eyes, not even with a telescope. Which is a shame, because there's something there that's extremely strange and interesting to see if you only could. And something the rover has spectacularly failed to notice, even with the most advanced cameras and sensors. It's a glittering city, inhabited by strange beings. Unlike Earthlings, in fact, unlike anything you might imagine. If you could see the city, you would gaze in wonder at tall crystalline structures sweeping glassily into the sky. The structures were home to ghostly aliens who drifted through the icy landscape at night and retreated into their dark towers during the scorching daylight. They had no need to eat or drink, They merely existed, absorbing energy and their strength from the very galaxy itself. It was a cool, silent way to be, and no one, not even the beings themselves, could remember quite how the city had come to be at all. And what did it matter anyway? It may sound impossible. After all, surely the robots and orbits would have shown the city in its glory. The icy towers themselves were many thousands of metres tall, spiking like forest trees into the barren vacuum of the air. But they did not. You see, the city existed in a slightly different dimension to that of our own. Dimensions define where we are in space and time. We know other dimensions may exist overlapping our own, but just far enough away from our perception to see. Imagine your past or your future things that have happened or have yet to come. They are near to us, but impossible to touch or see. We can only use our imagination to visit these places. And so it was. One of the younger beings in the ethereal city on the dark side of the moon would look at the Earth wistfully sometimes. Their powers in the universe were greater than ours and they could bend dimensions to better find the energy they needed. But this being wasn't interested in that. She... And I will call the being she, although we have no way of knowing for sure. Well, she felt restless in the city. I've been listening to the vibrations of the universe for two billion years. It's getting boring, she said on the setting of the sun one lunar evening. An elder being looked at her in surprise. Boring? How can the infinite expanse of space and time be boring? Anything is boring when you get to do it too much. Well, what would amuse you? I want to travel to Earth, she said. You do realise they won't be able to see you, and even if you can observe them in their dimension, you might not be able to touch or taste or smell. I don't care. It's better than this. The Elder wasn't sure he agreed. Again. We must only guess that it was a he, but these were peaceable beings, and he couldn't think of a reason to forbid her to go. You must come back when you feel space-time begin to shift, otherwise you will be trapped on Earth for all time. She nodded, and the journey began. Gliding through space to Earth, she decided to travel back in time. The better to take a closer look at the life of this funny green and blue planet and see everything there was to see. Earth was young, bubbling lava and volcanoes made the ground shake. She could almost feel it, almost, and gazed in wonder at the new planet as it ruptured and moved. Then the sweep of forest and ferns, wind bowing their leaves and branches, she strained to hear the sound. The millennia rolled on, because she was outside time on Earth, it passed in a flash as she absorbed the changes occurring. Life unfurling in every corner, from the crashing salty oceans to the deserts and lush valleys, with reptiles and then mammals peering and scampering through this new land. Birds sang, flowers burst into bloom, and she wished she could hear their songs and smell the flowers for herself. Sadly, the boundaries of the dimensions just wouldn't stretch that far. The dinosaurs began their long and violent reign. She particularly enjoyed that. The power and the muscle of a T-Rex or the screech and movement of a velociraptor. She felt excitement. Something the beings in the city on the dark side of the moon didn't feel very much. The meteor striking the Earth would have taken her breath away if she had breathed at all. And then she would have held her breath to see the planet begin to heal itself. Apes. Then humans appeared new civilizations from the Egyptians to the Romans, and then bustling cities and wars and peace and factories and roads filled with moving things, a deluge of noise that stretched into the skies as the skies themselves darkened with the smoke and smog. But the humans learned, and she was happy to see them solve the problems, learn to live in peace, and glowed to see a future where the planet was clean and full of hope. How interesting it must be to live on this planet and be part of the noise and bustle. You would never grow bored of it at all. Or at least, you would not if you could touch and taste, smell and hear. But she felt as if she was still in the crystal tower, trapped and merely observing. A creak and shudder in the space-time interrupted her thoughts. She knew it was time to go. So, what did you think? Asked the Elder on her return to the icy towers. I would rather be a human than whatever it is I am. On that grubby, noisy planet, you wouldn't have time to study the vibrations of the cosmos with that racket going on. I don't think I want to study the vibrations of the planet, I just want to live! And never mind the cosmos, I want to feel the vibrations of the volcanoes, the wind on my face, to smell the flowers and hear the birds and taste the salt of the sea. If you return and do not observe space-time shifting, you can't come back, you know. I know, but I've made up my mind. Well, said the Elder, I'll be sorry to see you go, but then again, I do like listening to the vibrations of the cosmos. we're all different, I suppose. The girl did not think the beings were all that different. She'd never found another, like her, who was curious about other things in the universe. And so she left, and as the space-time shifted, she stood firm, knowing that return was now impossible. She assumed the form of a human child, and found a family to which she could be a part. She began to live. Opening her eyes, she could smell cut grass wet from rain. A voice called her from the kitchen, and the smell of something delicious was carried on the air. The beings from the city on the dark side of the moon might be content to look to the farthest reaches of the universe to draw their strength. She, however, thought that strength could be drawn from much more simple things, things closer to home. Beaming, she shouted that she was coming and ran through the dewy grass towards the kitchen door.